On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to be covering community feedback, our choices for the best beginner's Linux distro, a new survey from Red Hat with some unexpected results, a video out there making waves about the top 10 reasons why Linux is better, and finally, our software pick and tips and tricks. That's all coming up now on Destination Linux. Welcome to episode 163 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast about sharing our passion for Linux and open source. Destination Linux is a show for all experience levels. So whether you're a beginner to Linux or a master sudoer, welcome. I'm Ryan, and with me today are the Tribbles of Linux, Michael, Noah, and Gab. So we're thrilled to invite you back, Gab, from the popular Tech Pills YouTube channel. If you're not a subscriber yet, you should be. Gab's channel focuses on technology, nice mix of hardware and software reviews, tons of information that you have over there, plus you're doing live community chats as well. So Gab has hung out with us back on episode 92, and it's so great to have you back for 163. So want to find out, Gab, what have you been up to in between episodes 92 and today? We need the full history. No, I'm kidding. What have you been up to lately? Uh, thanks, Ryan, and thank you all guys for having me here. So... Um, what have I been up to? Do you really seriously want me want me to go from episode ninety two? I mean, you, you could choose whatever you want to talk about. You could do the whole thing if you want, but you could just do whatever you want. It's, there's no. I don't there's want to no take re- the old show. Uh, <laughs> there's anyway. no. There's no requirement. So, well, apart from like university finals at the end of January, I've been working on some Linux apps recently, and so I'm still working on my RSS reader called Feeds. If you want to check it out, it's on GitLab and, and GNOME GitLab. It's actually gfeeds.gabmus.org. So uh, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly doing bug fixes there. And now I've also started working on a new app called What IP. And it's a simple app to get some network information like your local IP address as well as your public one, your open ports, and the devices on your LAN. It's just one of those like little utility apps that you would typically find like on... Uh, the more popular platforms or your Android phones or, and all this sorts of stuff. So just something I, I, f- I felt like working on. The idea actually came from the wider GNOME community. So thanks to everyone that put these ideas together for me to pick up. Very nice. So you're working on a lot of programs now. What's the RSS feed going to, what's it produce? What would it be used for? Well, it's just an RSS reader. So uh, you add your favorite news websites and mm-hmm. you read news. And the highlights on that uh, on the app are you have a reader mode so that you can just uh, have a more consistent uh, reading experience on whatever website you're visiting. It has JavaScript disabled by default to preserve some privacy and to, well, make the whole experience lighter because at the end of the day, just reading news, you don't need all the fancy whatever that today's websites have going on. And by the way, you can still enable it in the settings. And it also has a feature where you can save articles for offline read. So there's nice. that. Very cool. It's yeah. a GTK app. So, it, it, so uh, I think most of you guys, uh, at least Noah and Michael, are still running Plasma. So Still and always. Th- still and always. All right, that's fine. <laughs> I'm still uh, alive, therefore I'm still running Plasma. Of course you are. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, there, there's also an option to disable client-side decorations. If you want to make like uh, well, the, the best app, thing about uh, like Plasma five point eighteen has su- support for CSDs in the latest version, so it, they should work totally fine. 
Sure, and I'm really grateful for that because I really love CSD. Uh, but some I people mean, somebody don't like should, it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> I don't. I think it's cool. Okay, that, that that's uh, the let's battle. There is for. The, all right, I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the option, I mean, the option is there for people like like you, apparently, that don't like CSD. You can just go ahead and disable <laughs> it, and you have the header bar that's now just a toolbar, and then your standard old title bar. That's awesome. So, I, I, like the, I, I like the fact that you're making it, you made an option to, if you don't want to use it, you actually have a choice, as in most CSD applications don't give that option. So that's awesome. To be fair, most known CSD applications, you you can do it. Uh, it's it's more of a hack, really, because okay. I didn't want to make a, a whole different toolbar just for the, the like just for disabling CSD. So I made the header bar not look like another bar. Okay, I see. What Pretty you're nice. The geek talk is overwhelming me here, but it sounds like you have a really cool application that will work in both GTK and Qt with yeah. some setting options. Of course, yeah. Well, it's an app I made to scratch my own itch. Because I, I want a simple RSS reader because I, I like to read news. And I couldn't find one that I liked on Linux, so I just made one. Awesome. Yeah. So no, Thanks. Noah, what have you been up to? I have done nothing terribly exciting this week. I've been That's so, not true. You spilt your bubbly on your keyboard. I spilled my bubbly on my keyboard, but for the most part, I we had it was uh, it was the well actually that's not, I guess that's not entirely true. So here's what I did. We um it was EDC hockey, so it's uh, it's state hockey championships. Now I couldn't possibly care less about sports, but I'll tell you the thing I do care about is I went my boss at the radio station said, Is there any way that we can stream hockey and make it look like a professional broadcast, but do it on a budget of ten thousand dollars or less? And I went yeah, with Linux, that's very doable. And so we actually set up four uh, Linux boxes. Two of them were out in the field that were bringing stream back. And then two of them were back at the station running Nginx and re-encoding that stream and then sending it out to our CDN. That would then get embedded on all of our websites. And when they got the numbers back for the amount of people that were able to stream it, they were like, this is the blow up. We, we're blowing people out of the water. This is fantastic. And then the following week, or the following uh, the the following weekend, so it would have been this Saturday. A competing station had the contract to broadcast a championship game, and their stream you had to restart it every fifteen to twenty seconds. And so I just I kind of looked up and went Linux for the win. And so you know we we spent Very less money, nice. Nice. And got a better end product, and uh, and yeah, we got got a lot of uh, got a lot of people coming over to the booth and asking, you know, how did you guys do this? And even the guy that was running the camera was like, man, I wish I knew how to use Linux because it's crazy that you're able to buy this older hardware and still get this kind of performance because we were not using, I mean, one of the machines was very nice. It was a Dell XPS, but the other one was like a, it was like an eight year old uh, Dell Optiplex and, uh, and OBS just sips CPU space just a little bit at a time. And it, and it makes it so that, uh, you can use very old hardware and still get fantastic performance. What I like about that is you talked about this radio station before and that they're primarily been focused on Windows and things. And instead of just sitting there reading from the gospel of Linux to them, you're taking action on things, finding solutions that meet their budgets, meet their requirements, and using Linux in that way. And by doing that, you're building interest by itself versus just saying, oh, no, you guys need to get all these Windows things out of here. Have you heard about privacy and security and all of this, like, you right. know, it'll fall on deaf ears for most people, but you're putting well, and things the, you in know, action the, that are saving them money. And, and the truth is, and this is, I consider this a good thing. The truth is like, they don't really care what operating system. I mean, the guy, the program director, he didn't even ask, he didn't ask, you know, how is it running something different? He doesn't care. He just wants it to work. And so what he learned was, 
hey, we do this thing and this really works and we do this other thing and that thing doesn't work as well. And so let's do this thing instead of that thing. Very nice. So, Michael, what's new in your world? Well, I actually have a lot of things I've been working on. I did some like development for the DLN website, the DL podcast website. And one of the things that I did was, you know how we have these spotlights and these tips and tricks and stuff? I made a page that keeps track of all of those so that you can go to the single page and then just you know, find out what we talked about in any episode since we started doing the picks, which was like episode 82, I think. And that's been asked for a lot, by yes, the way. So that's a nice lot of people one. wanted that. So I finally got it. And so you can go to uh, it's destinationlinux.org slash picks, and that's it. And you can see the page and it has a list of everything, and you can do a search through it there. And I also set up so that the the data for the picks are in a simple data set that I put on GitHub repo. So if anybody wants to help contribute to keep it up to date in case I miss nice. it every once in a while, uh, so it's, that's possible too. And we also are working on a new project for with DLN. Uh, can't really give you much information right now, but I just want to give you like a little bit of a heads up that in the next couple of weeks or so, we're going to be launching something really big, and I am super excited about it, and I wish I could tell you more, and next week I will be able to give you more. But just wanted to nice. let you know that that's, that's coming. So we're, st- we're, we're still expanding the network and making even more great stuff. So, you know, uh, keep tuned in, I guess, whatever. Keep tuned. There we in. go. Or whatever. Yes. That's the new slogan for the network. Keep tuned in or whatever. I I like it. I'm keeping that. So, Ryan, what have you been up to? So, we had a really fun event yesterday that Michael and I decided on a phone call. We're talking about the network and some things we're launching that Michael just teased there. And I was like, hey, you know what we should do? We should have a, we we should set up a, a YouTube time where we just chat with our patrons. We have our patrons all join in. And we chat with them about any Linux topics or things that they want. And it could be patrons of anybody involved in the network. So if you're a patron of Tux Digital, you're a patron of Destination Linux, you're a patron of DOS Geek, doesn't matter. If you're a patron of one of the shows here, Linux for Everyone, then you can come join in and join the discussion. And this conversation ended at like midnight when we kicked off the idea. And then by noon, I was like, Michael... Well, at midnight, I was like, Michael, we should just do it tomorrow just to do it and get it done. And Michael's one of those people who likes to be prepared and take his time and really spend time making graphics. And I like that no, marketing and everything set up. Let's just do it. And it turned out fine. It worked out fantastic. Actually. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's be more clear about what it is because you, you, you I am like that typically. But yes. I also, we were in the conversation and I was like, I'm going to blow your mind right now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yes, let's go ahead and do it. And it was, and I could feel his, his, like we were, it was just a phone call, but I could feel that his jaw dropped right then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's shocking. Usually Michael wants a six month runway to, to, to launch something. So we have the it's next true. one already lined up for, um, March. It's going to be March 21st. 21st. Yeah. 21st. So if you are a patron of any of the shows that are part of destination Linux network, you can join into the zoom chat. We have it on live for everybody else. So you can watch and chat in the comment section and things while we're live, but it was really fun to just talk with people about their experiences in Linux, what they're up to. I mean, I think at one point, Michael and someone were talking about whether I quickly moved them away from the bingo club conversation back to Linux, but it's a fun wow. time for everyone. Wow. That did happen, yeah. but still. Yeah. You didn't have to tell people about that. They could watch it if they wanted to, but yeah, of course, <laughs> put it in the show. Anyway. I love it. So that's really, I think that was one of the fun things that we have this week. Yeah, that was awesome. 
This episode of Destination Linux and the entire Destination Linux network is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest and most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and so much more. And if you're not somebody who speaks that geeky language, then just know this. You're going to log into DigitalOcean. It's going to have an absolutely beautiful interface that's going to make sense. The second you log in, it's going to have pre-configured droplets that you can just click and have things like WordPress sites and things like that already set up for you. And this is one of the primary ways that I was able to quickly learn Linux and check out different things, test out different commands and servers that I wasn't going to keep because you can build them, these droplets, and then you can just take them away just as fast if you want and build something else different there. It's just an absolute, I mean, it's amazing from a professional platform for people who want to use these services on an ongoing basis, but it's also great as a learning platform as well. You can get all of this plus access to the world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month, or you can use their flexible pricing structure for as low as 0.7 cents per hour. That is darn near free. DigitalOcean has over 2,000 cloud agnostic tutorials. This is the learning part here. So it doesn't matter if you use DigitalOcean. You probably are still, if you've done anything in the cloud, using some of their tutorials because that's how nice they are. They just give them to everybody out there to stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. You can get started on DigitalOcean for two months free, and they're going to give you a $100 credit if you go to this website, do co slash dln you're going to type in do.co slash dln it's going to give you two months free and a hundred dollar credits to play around with and learn and we want to thank digital ocean for sponsoring this episode and the entire destination linux network of shows this week in community feedback andrew writes in and says hello destination linux podcasters i've been running gen 2 for a solid year on my laptop and i've been listening to your excellent podcast since episode 140 something in all the talk about open source, I do not recall ever hearing a discussion about where to look at the source code of the different programs and flavors of Linux. That's the whole point of open source, is it not? The ability to look at the source code and modify it if wanted, to inspect it and see how it works. I appreciate the time and I look forward to future episodes of your most informative and engaging podcast. By the way, I feel that tools do not get the respect they deserve. Did Michael put that in? I did not. Also, I, yes, did did. not. I did you not. I did not. That's why it's so fantastic. I did not. I do love that. Andrew. Okay, I, I'm just gonna believe that. Also, what's the status of Wayland? Thanks, Andrew. So, Gab, so, I feel like as somebody who developed software for Linux, you you have some apps and things out there. This is perfect for you to answer. Well, I have some opinions on it, and of course. Oh, so first of all, I want to thank Andrew for the email. And uh, this is a very interesting questions, uh, question uh, for sure. Nowadays, most of the open source stuff you can find out there is usually hosted on easy to use and access platforms like GitLab or GitHub or what have you. And browsing through the, these projects is actually very easy. And usually uh, to find the source code for whatever project you, you, you want to look at, you just use your favorite search engine, uh, it will lead you to, to source code right away. But that's not virtually always the case. And in fact, many open source projects, particularly the older ones, uh, including, I think, to an extent, the kernel, are hosted on platforms like Seagit. Uh, they are not as easy or intuitive to browse or even just bare Git repositories without any web front end. So that's not something we are used really? to. I, yeah. I, I thought I thought GitHub was invented specifically because Linus Torvalds needed the uh, 
no git like, was, needed a better was git he git. created git and github was a company based on the idea of git but oh, yeah. i see yeah. so the is kernel like isn't actually hosted on github huh no it's hopes, it's hosted it's... On, on the kernel.org website oh exactly today i learned there, but it's be, it's using git yeah, it uses it's Git. It's using Git. Git is like the underlying technology and the common line tool that you just use when you do Git clones. There are some tools built on top of Git, which are uh, GitLab, GitHub, and uh, so on and so forth, that are not relied to Git in uh, any way other than they use it in the back end. Yeah. Huh. But they actually introduce some new concepts uh, that are uh, actually very useful, like forks and pull requests are not native of uh, native concepts uh, of Git. Pull requests and forks, it's a lot easier. And uh, you can actually uh, contribute right from the browser by using the web editor. And that's that's very easy to do. Has there been any discussion of moving like the Linux kernel and, and some of these other like very substantial projects over to something that's more universal like GitHub or GitLab? To be fair, I, I I don't know, but I don't think that's a problem because um, you can do mirrors and there are lots of mirrors, particularly of the kernel. Mm. On, uh, I think the biggest uh, mirror is on actually on GitHub, but that's not actually needed because uh, you, you can just uh, every repository with Git is just a, when you when you when you say clone, it, it's uh, the word couldn't be more perfect because it's actually a one-to-one copy of the repo. Of it doesn't matter where the original repo is from, but not all projects out there use uh, these new web tools, and uh, up until couple of years ago, I think, even some big projects like GNOME weren't using uh, any of these um, modern tools. In fact, they, uh, they recently moved to GitLab uh, because people wanted an easier way to contribute and to report bugs and to uh, make pull requests and also other uh, features that are not really inherently related to Git, but that usually they uh, go together very well, like uh, continuous integration. And the GitLab platform that GNOME in particular is using offers that those options too. So, well, I mean, uh, I see yeah. that Linus Torvalds has a GitHub page, and he has the kernel posted out there. So that may not be his official area, but maybe that Noah is showing some movement towards some of the bigger platforms there. I'm not sure. Well, there's I just some, posted some of the value the is, is the is the having a mirror just in case kind of thing. Like it, it right. I don't think they actually use GitHub to to facilitate all of it. They just have it there as well. Just like uh, KDE and, and GNOME have stuff on, I don't know if GNOME does, but KDE has stuff on GitHub, even though they completely ignore the GitHub version, it's just a mirror copied over to GitHub. And I think that, that GNOME does the same thing. So like everything is really on GitLab and they just kind of do a mirror on the GitHub. But I think for your average person who's just out there saying, hey, I heard that this is open source. I'm supposed to be out there and go look at code of things like apps and stuff. For the most part, you're going to find it on GitLab and GitHub. And yes, But if you go to the projects. project page, generally their web page, they'll have, I've seen it at the bottom or they'll have special sections for it. But if you just look through the web page, generally they're going to have a part where they're going to list where they're storing their source code that you can go and take a look at. Now, keep in mind, it's going to be organized like programmer's code so it's not like you're going to look at it and go oh yeah that's the linux kernel that makes sense that's where it boots everything it's not going to necessarily make sense to you but you can go out there and play and certainly start learning different patterns and things of the code we haven't talked about source code typically because it's a very uh it's kind of a jumbled 
answer because there's, you know, there's GitLab, there's GitHub, there's also these other like GitT and all this other stuff that they, that, that exist. So they really, the best way we can say is like, if there's a project you're one that you're interested in, just go to their website. And if it's an open source project, they will definitely have a link that somewhere to get the source code. And that's kind of like the unfortunate truth and that there's really not a single place to go to get to figure out how to contribute in, I think, oh. I think in most projects should just put more, uh, you know, put some more effort into like letting people make it easier to find that stuff too. And worst case scenario, if you're ever curious about source code and need something audited, you can send a request to Michael at destinationlinux.network and yep. he will go through and translate the source code into what we call pseudocode, which is basically human readable code. So you could ask him to translate the kernel, for example, and you'll get back. This is how the kernel boots. This is what happens during this time. He'll break all of that down for you and deliver that as a report. What you'll actually hours. get is just a sentence that says, hey, looks like the Linux kernel to me. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's kind of a combination of both. It will be right. it'll be essentially saying, "Hey, this is the the Linux kernel, and here's some pseudocode." So there you go. So the second part of his question I thought was interesting, especially for all the Nvidia lovers out there. What's the status of Wayland? Gab, you want to take a shot at that one? Well, sure. I mean, um, the status of Wayland is a weird question because Wayland by itself it it's doesn't do much. Uh, the weird thing about Wayland compared to Xorg is that. Of course, we are used to Xorg, and uh, the fact that it does most of the stuff we're used to in a modern desktop environment. But Wayland being just the protocol and little more than that, uh, it's the job of the desktop environments, or uh, to be more precise, of the compositors to implement uh, all the features we actually need uh, in a desktop environment. At this point, Wayland, I think it's usable, uh, particularly with GNOME. I don't know uh, how usable it is with Plasma. I haven't tried, to be honest. And also with Sway, it's particularly usable in my experience. Sway, if you don't know, is a tiling window manager uh, for Wayland that's uh, inspired by iTree. I've, I've actually played around with it uh, again after some time today in my, in my computer. It just works pretty well. The only big uh, things that we're missing right now in Wayland are uh, screen recording and screen sharing, which are actually uh, very much related to each other. We're working on that. I know that GNOME developers in particular are working on it. And in fact, just the other day, I read a blog from uh, George's uh, Stavrakas. I hope I didn't butcher your name about performance improvements for screencasting in GNOME Wayland using the newly released Pipeware 0.3. So again, uh, they're working on it. They're ironing out like last things and the remaining stuff that needs to be working on a typical. I mean, no, isn't no Nvidia model. a big holding point for this? Because anybody who has mm -hmm. Nvidia, as I understand, they're still pushing EG, EGL streams. Yeah, and okay. about that, uh, Nvidia thinks that they can do whatever they want because they have a big name and people will just bow their head and go ahead with whatever nonsense they're they're trying to push, but. The reality is that uh, Wayland is moving forward without uh, NVIDIA. And NVIDIA users, unfortunately, uh, are just uh, being left behind because the standard is uh, set by what Mesa is doing and NVIDIA is just doing another thing. Yeah, I've heard that NVIDIA is doing some work um, to try to make it functional in some way, but I, I, I know believe that you have to 
add some things into your boot. You know, you remember when you have to go into like do the no mode set and things, I think you have to go in there and do like a, I think you have to enable uh, early kernel mod setting, which is, yes, yes. Uh, I, I don't really know what that means. And then even then, I, I, I don't think it works exists. particularly well, which, you know, it leads to yeah, the question, the... what's the status of Wayland? To me, regardless of my love for what AMD and Intel are doing with the open source drivers and, and, on the desktop and things along those lines, NVIDIA still has a big part of the market. I think it's going to hold Wayland back because of NVIDIA's decisions that they've made of not pushing Wayland unless they've changed recently. I haven't gone and done research to see if sun, suddenly they've changed. I know they have gotten more into helping in some ways with open source. So maybe they're going to change their ways and that will push Wayland forward faster. But without that, I think they actually... I know Wayland's going to continue, but I think they're going to hold Wayland back from really mass adoption if they don't change their stance or if they haven't to this point changed their stance on Wayland support. So I think it's one of those things where you're seeing it in distros, but most people are just logging into Xorg unless you're using something like Fedora, which defaults into Wayland in the GNOME session. Okay, so to be fair, uh, all, of, all of what you said, I completely agree with, but at the same time, I have a different point of view on that because if you're doing something, you're doing your thing. Okay, the, the people that, that are behind Wayland, behind the uh, Sway and uh, the GNOME effort of moving to Wayland, you're just moving forward because you know that, X, that Xorg is a dead technology. And it, at some point, it just needs to go away. And he, you have a standard that's set and a way that things should work. And so far, two companies out of three major companies that produce graphics cards are following the standard. So what you're going to do is just you're just going to keep working on the thing you're doing. You, you cannot just uh, start, um, you, you're going to just stop working because NVIDIA doesn't want to follow the standard. I would love to agree with you. I, I love your point there. And, and the, the problem is, though, I don't see that happening like Canonical or anybody else suddenly with all the work they do with NVIDIA saying, well, we're just going to ignore it. I think that they're going to wait for NVIDIA before they push Wayland. And Ubuntu is the biggest distro out there. And that's going to hold Wayland back. If Ubuntu's going, yeah, Ubuntu's different though. Ubuntu's different because they're putting in a lot of effort into like so. A lot of people are thinking that Mirror has been killed or it's dead or whatever, or that they got rid of it or what or in some way. But Mirror is actually has been completely converted into a compositor for Wayland. So its entire purpose is to be the thing that Wayland should have in the first place. I'm sorry, I th I think that Wayland is great in what they're trying to do, but it's I think it's very disappointing that they're going to replace this fundamentally important piece with something that's half done with it. It's a protocol. It doesn't have a compositor and you still need a compositor to do basically everything on the desktop. And they have Weston, which is not really like, it's not meant to be used. It's a reference implementation. Right. And I think that that's a, I think that's a mistake. And that's what's holding Wayland back a lot. It's having all these different distributions or this different desktop environments having to build their own compositing structure. So we have more fragmentation on something that's supposed to not be fragmented. And I just think that's a very bad idea. But, but how I, does that fix the NVIDIA issue? Because, because uh, Ubuntu is making Mirror to be a compositor for any DE that wants to use it. Are and, they still working on it? Uh, yes. Isn't the UB, the Ports guys and the Mata guys are no, working on it right now? No, they work on it as well. But Mir is still fundamentally built by Canonical and Ubuntu. Uh, UB Ports does do stuff with Mir, but in a different kind of way. Uh, but they've they're they've switched it over into doing a Wayland compositor as their focus. And like I know that 
some of the DEs, I can't really give you exact names because I don't remember which one, but at least two have said that they're going to be using Mirror to support Waylon in the future rather than building their own, which I think, I think is a Matt good thing. Is one of those. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, one, what you yeah, said, right. I completely agree with what, what, what you're saying. Of course, it's a big it's a big task to write a compositor from scratch to support Wayland, and also considering that most desktop environments out there already have a window manager and compositor that usually uh, also tie together. So it's a big effort. And mm-hmm. the fact that the mirror has evolved into being a, a universal uh, compositor for Wayland is great because it uh, will remove lots of uh, work from the hands of uh, the Mate and XFC and uh, LXQT developers. I think people will wait on NVIDIA to push Wayland. And yes, I think that's, I agree with that too. I'm just saying at like least a bunch the biggest of distro out there will wait for. on NVIDIA to push Wayland before they push Wayland based on their history with NVIDIA. I think so, that we should have, we have to wait for the, all of the hardware to be supported. Like as far as like the Wayland shouldn't wait on NVIDIA to make to develop, develop things. And I do agree with that. They should be pushing forward as much as they can. But as far as of like distros actually implementing it as a default, I think they have to wait on NVIDIA because if, if we have people moving over to Linux from Windows or Mac and then they all of a sudden their system doesn't work or specifically Windows because they, they have NVIDIA and their system doesn't work anymore, that's a problem. So we should actually have to wait. Does really. Ubuntu still have the auto detection tool yes. to switch you? For, yeah, I from, think that's built yeah. into GDM actually. I, I yeah. think it's uh, just... I thought that thing. was a pretty cool workaround to get Wayland out there I think they made it for people. GDM, but yeah. And then it's if you have NVIDIA and it detects it, it automatically switches you to Xorg just so you can stay compatible. But you see a lot of people have to work around NVIDIA or have had to work around NVIDIA to this point to get Wayland to take off. So the answer to the question, still waiting, <laughs> I guess. That that entire thing That's was the, the answer to the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's something to I think up, everybody Just listen to the whole thing in. again. Unfortunately, yeah. But it's still a thing where we're really in a, in a wait period. And I think that Wayland is great, but we're still in a situation where we can't say that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Well, good news. We'll make uh, NVIDIA easier to install in the next distro release for sure, somehow. So Ben writes in to say, I enjoyed the segment on the open ebook reader, and I thought it was worth mentioning that there's a fantastic bit of open source software, ebook reading software specifically, that you can sideload onto your Kobo or Kindle right now called KO Reader or Co-Reader, and you can just go to coreader.rocks. I've used this for a couple of years, and it's really fantastic. It's a great, has great front rendering for EPUBs or font rendering. That's what it should have said. And it's really good for displaying PDFs, DJVU files, and in a readable fashion so that y- you can use them in an ebook reader. Because a lot of people have complaints that you PDFs and ebook readers are really bad. And he's saying this provides a good way of doing it. So this is, uh, this is really interesting. And I think that this is a really cool suggestion because I didn't know this existed until now. And I, I didn't either. And yeah. I think this is great for people that already have those devices. We know this is a huge gift for birthdays and Christmas and everything else. They'll just people buy you an e-reader like, oh, I heard you read a book. Here, here's an e-reader um, from Amazon or whatnot. So you yeah. can kind of turn it into a open source reader here. Yeah, that's pretty cool. pretty cool. Yeah. And then the, the fact that you can use PDFs in, as well is one of the like the things I've actually had people uh, send me messages saying that they tried to buy something from like Humble Bundle or whatever and it was PDFs and they were like the worst kind they were like so disappointed that it was PDFs and maybe this would help them be able to do it and that's pretty cool 
We love hearing from our worldwide community. We have many ways for you to voice for your voice to be heard. You can send a short email or video that may get incorporated into the show. Send all of those to comments at destinationlinux.org. Red Hat this week has discovered what us on Destination Linux have been telling you since episode one, and that is that open source, this thing that we talk about from time to time, is taking off. A recent enterprise survey performed by Red Hat concluded that proprietary software use is on a decline. The survey was just was not just to open to Red Hat customers, but rather any Linux business that has 1% or greater of Linux use within their infrastructure. In the same survey, they found 95% of almost 1,000 enterprise IT leaders thought open source was strategically important to their organization's overall enterprise infrastructure and software strategy. Red Hat's 2019 survey found that 55% of respondents in software was still proprietary. This year, proprietary software fell to 42%. Now, here's the thing. I have spent a lot of time, not only in small business, trying to educate people in small business that this is the next strategy. But the truth is, if you look at larger businesses, if you go into eBay, IBM, Amazon, all of these companies are using open source software, and that is getting to be more pronounced. And the reason, primarily, it's a cost thing. They are interested in the least amount of vendor lock-in, the maximum amount of flexibility, the least amount of cost to get the software, to get the job done. And what they're finding is open source takes every single one of those boxes every single time. Now, we had the chance to sit down with Deutsche Bank and ask them about, hey, what do you think is going on with open source and how does that help a company as large as Deutsche Bank succeed? And and Tom Gilbert was kind enough to sit down and say, listen, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're running a company that has a top line revenue of a few thousand dollars or a, a, a few hundred million. The reality is, if you want your business to succeed in today's day and age, we look at what open source will be able to bring to the table. We look at what our proprietary com- components and alternatives are able to bring to the to the table and open source is coming out every single time and that again is part of that vendor lock-in but the other part of it is the actual code quality is much higher and so it's worth more it's worth investing more in that in that code it's worth investing more in those in those projects and stuff because you don't you're not as worried about can i get my data back out of that right and i've, I've watched that happen just a few months ago in a in a, in a medical industry they were in, they were importing um, some medical imaging into some med- medical imaging software, and the software that they used and was not my recommendation. They just had it was open source, and the discussion in the boardroom went something like this: Hey, Noah, do you see any uh, do you see any problems with us being able to get our data out? And before I could even answer, their chief technology officer said, Hey, it doesn't matter if we can get the data out because we can always hire a developer to just continue to modify to, to continue to maintain the software that we're already using. And so, in a lot of ways, it's 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 somewhat irrelevant. Now, the truth was in that particular scenario. The, the medical imaging that they were using, it was possible to get in and out of software. But whereas previously, these companies were looking and saying, what is the best tool for the job? How much money is it going to set us back? And if that company goes under, what's our second best alternative? Now they're fully embracing the software and they're saying, hey, we're in this for life. We're going to hang on to the software for life. If the software goes away, it's okay because the code is open, so we'll just maintain it ourselves. We would be okay doing that. Now, any large company will take that approach. Smaller companies are still... I think they're still fighting for that. I think a lot of the small companies are still buying the Office 365 subscriptions. I think a lot of the small companies are still buying the Skypes of the world because they say to themselves, this is the best product out there. This is what everybody else is using. This is what I should use. But if if anything is true in the IT infrastructure, it's whatever starts at the top of these big name companies, whatever it is they're using, eventually trickle down. And so yeah. as operating system agnosticism is becoming more and more prolific and people are looking for things and saying, hey, 
I would love to run this particular software, but this competitor over here just runs in a web browser. Uh, that's way better. A lot of people are looking and saying, okay, well, I would rather just, I would rather have maximum freedom with my software and be able to run it on anything I want. If that's a Mac, if that's a Linux PC, if that's a Chromebook, if that's a Windows machine. And typically what fits the bill there is open source. Um, and so, you know, I would love to say that this is this, this survey surprises me or that I'm shocked by it or that I'm pleased to see the results of this. But the reality is we have been watching this happen over a very long time to the point that one of the consultants that I pay to come in once a year to kind of give me some, some fresh ideas on AltaSpeed and, and, and what it is we can do differently has been, he's been telling me for the last three years, stop worrying about pushing open source. You've won that battle like that. That battle is won. It's just going to take a while for the rest of the world to catch up. Uh, this just to me seems like this is more evidence of that, that open source. It. Yeah, it, it is taken over. It's taken over the enterprise. It's taken over the IT industry. You're not going to sit in a room. There was a time where you would sit in a room and I've been there. You sit in a room or you sit in a conference and you say, I use the open source alternative and everybody well, he's not the real guy. Real, the real thing. I mean, if he had the budget, maybe he'd use the real thing. Right. Like you know, we you don't get be, any of you that. You must anymore. be broke. Right. That, that would be no, right, the, right. the thought. Right. Yeah. None of that. None of that. Now, when you, you can sit in a meeting and say, have we looked at the open source alternative here? Is, is there an open source alternative? And every IT guy in the room goes, hey, I played with this in my home lab. Hey, I played with that. Hey, Joe played with this. I mean, these are things that you just can't do. And here's how you know this is working because you look at the you look at the reaction from the proprietary alternatives, right? What has Microsoft done in the past 15 years? They have the MSDM program. You can go generate as many licenses as you want as long as you pay the $900 a year. You can generate as many Windows 10 licenses as you want and spin up a lab. Now, why do you think they did that? Because people are spinning up Ubuntu boxes in their basement and, and spinning up web servers, and IIS is, is, is just falling off the face of the map. And when Microsoft looks up and goes, huh, why is that? Well, because all the 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, all of the people that are, even have, that, are, that are even Microsoft shops aren't testing on Microsoft software because they couldn't get access to it because they weren't going to pay for the license just to try it. Um, and so Microsoft had to address that, and hence the, I, the, the MSDM program is born. It's just, I think it's too little too late. So I, right. I I'm thrilled I I am thrilled to see this but it doesn't surprise me. What's interesting too is they said when you're talking about and I know you're just giving an example but it kind of ties back uh, Gab about community based open source software they they also saw in their survey that that was rapidly growing as well not at the same level as the open source software that was backed by big companies but certainly on an upward trajectory so companies to Noah's point are not as afraid to say, hey, yes, this is supported by you know two people or small group. We're you know before they would say there's no way we're going to put anything of any relevance on it. Today they're more open to that, and probably because they know worst case scenario they have people on their teams that are doing open source, creating open source stuff, and they could just take it over or support it at least for a a small amount of time. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, part of the reason why I think small open source projects still have a place in big. Uh, companies is what you said that they can just hire someone to to do the code but uh, the other half of the reason is that uh, depending on the size of the company and depending on how critical that piece of software is uh, a big company can just decide to throw money at whoever's uh, created that project and just say uh, okay we'll we'll pay your your bills and you just keep doing your thing and that's happened before good point and That's, I think I, I think also in the survey that I found really interesting is they said in conclusion that a lot of their respondents simply said the open source software was better 
So it wasn't an ideology of security or whatever. It was just this software is better. And I, I think mean, that's pretty awesome. It's nothing we, we didn't already know, as Noah said. Um, we've been preaching about open source for how many years now? And the, the reason is that uh, the model just works. The, uh, as soon as the software you're making is free, as in freedom, or just even open source, uh, it automatically gets better because if uh, it is of any relevance, of course, uh, if it isn't, I don't know why someone would make it in the first place. Anyway, if the software is of any relevance, of course, someone is going to notice it. And uh, if um, there's uh, this, this thing that's uh, it's called the, the Linus law, given enough eyeballs, all bags are shallow. So there's that. When a mainstream YouTube personality with over 10 million subs creates a Linux video, it's a pretty big deal. That's what happened this week when Linus Tech Tips, who usually focuses on Windows 10 and more mainstream hardware and gaming, decided to do a top 10 reasons to use Linux video. His 10 reasons included freedom, software management, performance, stability, spying, privacy, and transparency, customization, command line, portability, learning, and of course, community. Linus did give a call out to NVIDIA's lack of open source drivers, uh, as well as mentioning it can obviously be trusted as so many huge companies are using it, including Microsoft Azure. Then he made Ryan's day when he called i3WM out as an example of how flexible the desktop environment can be. While the Linux desktop hasn't yet produced the mass user growth we all think it deserves, having someone like Linus give another call out in a big way to, to, to Linux is definitely a big starting point. Though he didn't mention the trolls and the get off my lawn type that exist in the community, he correctly concluded that the vast majority are welcoming individuals who just want Linux to succeed and grow. So I thought this was awesome advertisement for Linux. You know, Linux Tech Tips is one of the biggest tech channels out there, period. He has a huge draw. He has a massive audience. Um, people definitely follow every word that he says. And for him to suddenly go in and start creating, this is a second Linux video, I believe. Um, but this I is... think it's about 10 or something at this point. Yeah, they oh, made really? A, they He's made done a, a couple in there? Yeah, they made this is the first one, though, I've seen at least that was directly, hey, you need to use Linux. I've seen some stuff of, hey, we're going to test out and use, but maybe they're out there. But this is the first one I've one. seen. That was... There was another one, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they, they make but a few, like, but it's mostly like, mostly Linus is not in the video. It's mostly like uh, Anthony's in it or something like that. Yeah. But like, yeah, exactly. Uh, but this, I think, I think this is very, I don't, I don't think there's many that he's actually in, but it is, they, they've done quite a few and I, it is good that they're doing this, but it's funny because the end of the video, they say, like the title's like, why Linux is better. Here are 10 reasons why Linux is better. At the end of the video, he says, he's like looking off to the camera. And he's like, you know, they're probably going to yell at me about saying that Linux is better, but I'm just saying like, here's reasons why it's better. We also had a video like, here's a reason why this other one's better, like Mac is better and stuff. I was like, that's that's kind of interesting the way they're approaching yeah, he that. He does have yeah. some of those those videos out there as well of why I think it was Windows is better than Linux. Uh, he has a video or something along those lines. And But I thought, you know, his... His approach here, and I know he has advisors and folks mm -hmm. that utilize it, but some of the things he was calling out were very specific that generally people who've only been in Linux for a period of time start to understand, like NVIDIA's well, to be fair, he you also, know, desktop open source drivers. He went to Reddit like, and asked people to give his suggestions about what should be in the video. So that's mostly probably why. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. But there was there's a lot of stuff in here that was good, so I'm I'm glad that they did that because even if they're because not everybody's gonna be an expert on it, and it does seem and and I think the Anthony guy is pretty you know in in depth into the 
the space of Linux as well. But there's, there's a way around it. Yeah. So there's definitely, uh, you know, I like the fact that they went to, you know, ask the community about like, what are your top re- raw reasons so that we could have like a full, you know, approach to this topic rather than just being something that we kind of like casually mention or whatever. So they put a lot of effort in and it's obvious that they did. So I think that that's great that they did that. And as they gave the attention that Linux deserves on their, on their channel. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. And I think that a lot of their reasoning was quite good. I think the, some of the stuff is good. And also some of it is like double-edged sword sort of stuff, like software management. It's like, we have a fantastic software management Provided that the the software that you want uses it and is available, you know that kind of I thing. Think it's a double edged sword in the sense that in an ideal world, and that's the kind of mindset that package managers package managers have been created with, uh, is that everything is open source. So of course you have a package manager where packages are built from source. Of course we don't live in a perfect world nor an ideal one. So the model itself is, of course, flawed. But uh, with stuff like Flatback Snaps and App Images uh, right now, I think this issue is mostly solved. And we still have the benefits of a central way to manage software, be it Snap, Flatback, be your package manager. Even AUR is a way to include proprietary software or, quote unquote, unsupported software third party into your system. That's true. I just like the, the, you know, the barrier interest is still the barrier to entry is still there. Uh, but I do agree that the universal app app format. Well, he showed how annoying it is in Windows in the video to click on and go to all the different websites to get your software and sure. individually download them and all of that. So I think he had some great insight here. He also using i three wm uh, that we didn't talk about that in the beginners distro desktop environment that we should give everybody. <laughs> but I'm I'm now changing my answer to i three wm is what everybody should be using even as a beginner. Of course, um, sure. The flexibility of their desktop. So he had some good call-outs here. It's a great video. I think if nothing else, what you can conclude from this is Linux is now hitting these mainstream media outlets in ways we mm-hmm. haven't seen before. It's becoming way more popular. People are talking about it. The news is getting out. Not just Linux in the enterprise, not just Linux in the cloud, but Linux as a desktop solution and I believe at the end, if I recall, he talks about they're going to do a follow-up video on their gaming on Linux. Mm-hmm. So he's going to kind of show, well, how has Linux progressed since the last time they looked at gaming? I'm pretty sure they so, did the gaming video before Proton existed. So I'm really interested to see what they do with this one because that yep. changes a ton. Uh, but yeah, I think this video is great uh, I, I, that they put the effort in. And, they, and it's great that they you know, took they, they took so far, they went so far deep into the topics that they covered. And they gave examples of like what it's compared to Windows and like what's the the negatives of Windows, the positives of Linux. And they did it in a way that is it's presenting Linux as a, you know, that's the solid distri- the desktop system that it is. So I'm, I'm really happy about it. And I also like the fact that they put in the, tri- the privacy and security aspects as being a very important focus, because that's one of the reasons I think that, you know, the one of the most valuable benefits of Linux is that, you know, it, it's an operating system. In, a, in in the broad sense of way I'm saying it, but it's an operating system that cares about the users versus the other way of trying to use the users as their own value. And it's like it's more yeah. of like you use the system, not the system uses you, that kind of thing. And and you and the and the and the and the user can get as much out of putting something into the operating system, they'll get back out, you know. 
when I get other people into Linux, I can't count the number of times I've come back to them and then asked for something and said, hey, can you help me out with this problem? Because now you know that thing way better than I do. So you get out of it as much as you give in. Now, how many people can say that about Microsoft Windows? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's I mean, I, I, I'm glad that they made this and I think it's, uh, it's pretty awesome that they did. Still, I think that the, uh, the message they're sending is kind of mixed because in a way it's good that they're showing Linux and that they're giving it some screen time on their channel, which is, as, as you guys said, has lots of visibility. But at the same time, most of the content they're, pushi- they're pushing is with Windows 10. And hopefully hopefully this will change. Maybe at some point, they'll, uh, like the Linux content will reach in, uh, as in the amount of videos that they push, uh, the quantity of videos that they do with, uh, with Windows. I don't know. I think that there there are many things that they can explore um, as far as content goes for the Linux platform, including uh, I don't know how home theater PCs, Kodi boxes, um, home servers running I don't know Jellyfin or Plex or whatever. There's actually lots of content that they can explore, and I just hope that, there, that there's going to be more. Yeah, you hope it's not a one-off kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and at, 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 up to this point, they, they've been kind of one-off. Yeah, that's they, what I'm trying to say. That's true. They do when they do them. They they do them very sporadically, and I I agree. But I I think that I, I even though that they are doing them sporadically, I still think it's good that they're doing it because they're still giving attention that might not otherwise be available. Like uh, you know, the fact that they have so many subscribers and so many views is good that they're putting attention a spotlight on it because those people might not have even heard of it before because they're just you know Windows fans or something like that. So, well, not fans. I don't know if there are Windows fans, but Windows users. users. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I think it's I think it's good. But I, I do hope that they continue, and uh, I hope they continue to put as much effort into this one because it, it it definitely shows. And uh, I can't wait to see what the gaming one is. Our software spotlight this week is Grub Customizer. So, Grub Customizer is a graphical interface to configure your Grub or Berg settings and menu entries. So what's really cool about it is that Grub is was what you use to boot your system, and if you have multiple distributions installed, you can you basically use Grub to switch between the two. And it looks super out of date, not out of date, but it looks super ancient in general. But the Grub customizer allows you to modify it and customize a lot of it, so you can move and rename or re, uh, you know remove menu entries and stuff like that. Because you know sometimes you update your system, you have different installs, and you see like older things that you don't even have anymore yeah. sometimes. So you can get rid of that. You can edit the contents of the injuries and like rename them. You can uh, you get support for both Grub and Berg. You can also customize it overall with like a different background images. You can change the text colors. You can do all kinds of stuff like that. And you can also apparently changing in the installed operating system by running it on a stool. Uh, that's uh, thanks for adding that into oh, there. Oh my bad. I, uh, oh, a live CD. That <laughs> yeah, was what it yeah, was. Yeah, I I knew you changed it, but I just I just. I don't care anymore. This still is you awesome. I acknowledge it. It's fan- it has its own glorious place. The stool has its own yes. glorious place in the so anyway. So Grub so, yeah. customizer is really great for new people as well because they may they're probably doing dual boot systems. Maybe they decide they need to move one of the OSs that they've installed in Grub up. Doing mm-hmm. that manually is not really user friendly. Uh, Grub Customizer is. You literally click on, hey, I want Windows to actually boot first because that's where I start my day because I have to use Windows for work. And you click on it and you click the up arrow till it's at the top. You click save and you're done and you reboot your system. And next time you go into Grub, Windows is there at the top or vice versa. I want Lin- Linux first, only rarely ever boot into Windows. You could move it 
down there. There's a lot of other things you can do for it, but it is new user friendly, I think, for the simple stuff that you could do with it. I yeah. love. If you need to do that kind of stuff, it, this is a very good option to do it. If you don't need yeah. to do it, don't bother. You just have one install. You don't need it. <laughs> Our tip and trick this week is cutting and pasting in the terminal. That's right. I mean, Certainly, you have used one of DigitalOcean's guides and gone to one of their software igno- or, uh, platform agnostic guides and tried to do it on your own server, or your, maybe you have a DigitalOcean droplet spin up and your SSH in. You want to copy the guide right into the terminal so you don't have to type all those pesky commands. Well, there are a number of different tips and tricks that you can use to do that. So, Control W, for example, will cut the word before the cursor, adding it to the clipboard. Control plus K will cut part of the line after the cursor, adding it to the clipboard. Control U will cut part of the line before the cursor, adding it to the clipboard. And Control Y will paste the last thing you cut from the clipboard. Uh, the Y stands for yank. I thought Y stands for yeet. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's, it can't be yank because yeet is a thing now. So that has to be. What is yeet? What are you all talking about? <laughs> is, that like a, is that like a competitor to wheat? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is yeet? <laughs> okay. Why are you interrupting Noah's perfect presentation? Get off my lawn, is yeah. what you basically <laughs> you just said. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not going to go into the weird memes of stuff now, but just look it up. It's a thing. So there's, I see a lot some, of people just use Control-C, Control-V, you know, for well, everything. And then Control-Shift. Yeah. yeah, and Control-Shift-C, Control-Shift-V if you're trying to go into a terminal emulator and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, the, the the these commands are actually really interesting because it's a clipboard that's locked to your. I don't know if it's locked, but it's specifically for the terminal. So it's like a clipboard in the terminal that is this is using rather than the main clipboard of your system. So if you use these like Control W, Control K, and Control U, it will make a copy that when you next when you do the Control Yeet, it will put it in whatever you put it, the you have previously used, but it won't take it from your main clipboard. Which is really interesting. So it allows you to use your main clipboard at the same time as using the clipboard in this. So your your nice. your terminal allows you to if you like, and if you want to use a main clipboard, you just do Control Shift V for pasting from the clipboard from the main one. And it's really, and I actually use Control K and Control U all the time, not even for the pasting part. But it's just especially really especially if you're doing these long commands you yeah know, if you're just doing pseudo apt upgrade every day whatever maybe it's just easier just to type it every time well i actually Man, if you want to cut some part of that out and make a change to it or whatnot knowing these shortcut features are going to speed you up in the terminal tenfold yeah absolutely an extra just a small extra tip the whole the apt upgrade thing when you do apt up update for the like to running the update for the refresh of the packages and stuff and you want to do apt upgrade if you just hit control w it removes the up- update and you just type u upg tab and bam you're you've upgraded and it's super fast so like there you go. even if, if unless you you could also just do it all in one command if you want to put an alias or something but we talked about that in a previous episode a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to destination linux if you want a behind the scenes pass into the making of the show and an opportunity to chat with us live, consider becoming a patron. Our patrons help keep this show going and get awesome perks like access to live recordings and unedited versions of the show. And like this week, you may have access to a patron-only chat live on YouTube as well that you could be a part of. And the best part, you can join for just a few dollars on Patreon or sponsors. Destination Linux Network also has a great way for you to become a part of the community by going to destinationlinux.network and joining our forums. 
discuss the shows, the network with all of the listeners across the world, all in one place. If you're looking for live chat sessions and you're welcome to join us on our interactive telegram group, where we have more than 1300 members of the community interacting with one another and sharing their passion for Linux. If you want to learn more, head over to destinationlinux.network. And we love hearing from you. So please get back to us and provide some feedback to ask any burning questions or yell at tech pills for his opinions about elementary OS. For instance, you can send all of those comments to comments at destinationlinux.org. Please try to keep the comments brief as we may include them in a future episode of the show. Also, don't forget about the DLN store. Pick up some awesome swag from across the network of podcasts and shows. We have limited edition concert t-shirts out there, which have all of the shows that we launched the network with on them represented on one hoodie, one t-shirt, one coffee cup. How awesome is that? So go and get your deal in t-shirt today. It is a life-changing experience. Some say, allegedly. Yes, some say, allegedly, often. And if you want more content, the fun doesn't stop here. We also have our own channels you can check out. You can go to, oh, it's still this, really, people? So you can, Ryan can be found on YouTube by going to fillmystool.com where you have, he, he fills your brains on hardware, software, and all things Linux. We got to change this next time, by the way. I'm going to do it, but still. We're not changing it ever. No, <laughs> Michael can be found. That's my company's name. Yeet my tucks, my stool. <laughs> He's adding more stuff. Yeet my stool. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you can find my content at tuxdigital.com where I do an in-depth weekly Linux news podcast called This Week in Linux and other Linux-related content. And you can find Noah at linuxstool.com, where he does the Ask Noah show, a weekly talk radio show at 6 p.m. Central on Tuesdays. You can join him, and he'll answer all your Linux and tech questions and stuff, and sometimes business questions if you have them. And uh, Gab can be found... I'll also he- take stool questions. Yep, sure, sure. And, and Gab yep. can be found on Techstool's YouTube channel, where he, can hold, he holds live streams with uh, community, and also you can find his latest videos there as well. And, you know, to be clear, it's, te- it's tech pills. Just so you know, it's not, no stools included. No stools right now. It could be in yeah. the future. You never yeah. know. Well, feel free to send me one. <laughs> it's only nine dollars. Why not? Aren't they sponsoring you yet? No, they don't sponsor. No, I should. I haven't oh, contacted on. them, That's and I probably bad. should. Yeah, you I mean, if they should. You're giving free advertisement there. Well, I haven't yeah. necessarily talked about that. I just, I just show it. I don't really talk about who made it. But, but does anybody really want to use a stool because Michael does? Stools are very fantastic. They, they actually give you. It's, it's called active. If a stool si- was in my office or in Noah's office, people would go out and buy them and be like, "Oh my gosh, Noah and Ryan uses one of those." But the fact that it's no, in no, your no, office no. makes it kind of an anti. That's 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 ridiculous. In fact, uh, Noah gave us a story earlier. Unfortunately, it was not a part of this recording, but uh, it, I might have a copy somewhere. But he he made mentioned how he was told that active sitting was a very good thing and he learned that active sitting is used with a stool and that is important so if yeah, you want michael good ergonomics michael Noah, the, the, the 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 point the thing you're missing there is you have to sit on the stool you can't put it in a corner yeah it's only on the corner during that, the recordings because it's i really have to rude to stick that stool in the corner we've it never really, seen you sit on that stool ever in, in the entire history of Destination Linux, you'd not sit on the stool. When you think oh, about no, the negative the aspects now. of consumerism, that stool is a yeah. representation of the worst part Absolutely. of consumerism. You spend Especially money given you how much you paid for to it. begin with on something you're not even going to use. That's right. So everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. We did it. I like Ooh, the hey. I like the ending about how Michael <laughs> just Michael get out of the way. Where's the stool?
It's out of the corner finally. Uh, he's now using the consumerism okay. comment finally got to him. There we go. Look how comfy he looks now. Uh, yes. He looks now, so much Michael, comfier. Now, the question inquiring minds all over the world would like to know Do you consider yourself standing or sitting? I am active. active sitting. Exactly. It's called yeet. Active sitting. Noah. It's called yeet. Yeet. Active sitting yeet. Yes. 